Happy Sabbath, brothers and sisters. Happy Sabbath, everyone, and welcome to services here put on by the Burlington and Ottawa congregations of Church of God International here in Canada. It certainly is a blessing to be together again after another week of being reimmersed back into our regular lives, having just come out of the festival cycle just a couple of weeks ago. Certainly blessed to be together, and thank you for joining us. It is the sixth day of the eighth month. Last uh, Sunday evening at sunset, we traversed over into the eighth month of God's calendar, which means we're only 153 days away from Passover. Sounds like a lot, but as we know, that will tick down uh, rather quickly. We're 22 weeks away from Passover. Uh, it takes place on the Thursday evening, uh, just shy of 22 weeks from today. We will begin, as we as we do, with an opening prayer. and We'll invite our brother and, and uh, fellow elder from the Ottawa congregation, Jim French, to open us in prayer. Holy Father in heaven and loving God, we thankfully come to your throne, thankful for another beautiful Sabbath day. We thank you for the opportunity to be together. Father, we ask that you help us to make the most of this opportunity. We want to be an engaged church, and we want to be a learning church, and we want to be an evangelizing church. And so, Father, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us to help us to know when we have opportunities to uh, reach out to others, the little circle of influence that we might have. Help us to to tactfully engage people and let them know of the, the joy that's in us. Help us to be ambassadors for that kingdom of God. We thank you for uh, the opportunity we have to learn today. We want the church to be an educational opportunity for us, Father, that, that you can stretch our minds. And we ask that you um, uh, bless Pastor Adrian and we ask that you help us to uh, make the most of uh, the message that he has for us today. We thank you for all these things, and we turn the service over to you through our high priest and elder brother, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jim, for opening us up in prayer. We will now begin the song service. We'll have one hymn before we go to a scripture reading. I'll introduce the scripture reading after the hymn, but we will open up on page 217. The words will be on your screen, and especially as we see the day approaching, hymns like this is, are uh, really important for us to feel and, and sing together and, and uh, understand the messages and the words that we're reading. Today we'll sing, we'll begin the song service here on page 217 with Onward Christian Soldiers.
Praise God, what a wonderful opening with uh, such a meaningful hymn, Onward Christian Soldiers. We will now move to our scripture reading. Our scripture reading will be read to us by our brother from the Ottawa congregation, Eric Dormer. He will be reading to us from Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Hearken to me, ye that follow after righteousness, ye that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock whence ye were hewn, and to the hole of the pit whence ye are digged. Look unto Abraham your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone, and blessed him, and increased him. For the Lord shall comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and he will make her wilderness like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving, and the voice of melody. Hearken unto me, my people. And give ear unto me, O my nation. For our law shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. My righteousness is near, my salvation is gone forth, and mine arms shall judge the people. The isles shall wait upon me, and on mine arms shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look up upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Eric, for reading Isaiah 51, 1 to 6. That will lead us into the sermon here in just a few minutes. But before we get to that, we just got a couple of announcements um, one specifically, as we announce every week, is the Wednesday evening Bible study. It will continue this Wednesday evening at 7.30 Eastern. We will we are coming to the end of Book 3 of Psalms, which means we'll be in Psalm 89. So please do join us uh, this Wednesday evening at 7.30 for, for Psalm 89. And, of course, there's opportunity to join the interactive chat afterwards and certainly an, uh, a blessing for us to be able to connect with brethren from around the world in that regard. Do keep uh, every, uh, the many people on our prayer requests uh, page in mind and in our daily prayers. There are many that are going through uh, uh, debilitating uh, illnesses and, and uh, just need our prayers and need to be lifted up uh, to God on their behalf, especially as we come into the the long pre uh, six months before Passover uh, in the post-feast time. And of note as well, um, let's keep each other and the body of Christ in mind as we come into the, the election cycle with our, our friends and neighbors to the south of us in the United States. We know that uh, um, whatever happens in that election cycle will have a huge and profound effect on the body of Christ and on, on most people around the world and specifically up here in Canada as well. And as we just remember each other, help uh, pray for that, that the body of Christ maintains focus, forbears with one another. And, of course, uh, rather than hope for one side or the other, help us uh, keep our minds attuned to um, God's will, praying for God's will, and then the ability to accept God's will and to maintain our focus on, on uh, being about our Father's business, whichever way God's will uh, will, will uh, send us in the coming weeks and months. That's it for the announcements. We will uh, have one more hymn before the, we move straight into the sermon for today. Uh, the hymn will be on page 40 
uh, and the words will be on your screen, and that uh, hymn will be, will be He Leadeth Me. And then immediately following that hymn, we will move to the main message of the day from our pastor, Adrian Davis. And here's a very interesting title. I'm looking forward to his message. Mask, mask, and you shall receive. Mask, and you shall receive. And that message will immediately follow this hymn on page 40, which is He Leadeth Me.
Well, greetings, brethren. It's just so wonderful for us to be together. I was just reflecting on those words as we were singing them, uh, both He Leadeth Me and Onward Christian Soldiers, and also just the, the wonder of technology for us to have our brothers from Ottawa and Burlington. Here I am in Oakville. And, uh, you know, just all over the world, uh, brethren in Spain, Ghana, America, UK, uh, how we're able to come together like this, uh, despite this uh, economic or governmental lockdown. It is quite, uh, quite amazing and quite miraculous and something, brethren, that we should not uh, take for granted. Of course, it's all passing away. Uh, there will come a time when maybe we won't have access to the Internet or uh, certainly we know that Jesus Christ is coming and all of this will be put away. Uh, so let's, uh, let's be grateful for what we have um, while we have it. And I appreciate certainly the opening prayer and the comments by uh, Pastor Murray as well. And the, the scripture reading, everything is just tying together so beautifully, including uh, tying into last week's message where Pastor Murray exhorted us to pay attention to both the clock and the compass. A very sobering message uh, because Satan would want us to uh, believe that we have all the time in the world uh, so to, to, to misread the clock uh, and also to ensure that our compass is pointing in the wrong, wrong direction. And uh, unfortunately, um, that is the case for many of God's people. And uh, we as pastors need to be encouraging the body uh, and in encouraging ourselves, exhorting ourselves as well, uh, to pay attention to both the compass and the clock. Time is running out. And uh, Pastor Murray uh, made reference to the U.S. election cycle and where we are in that cycle. And uh, I think it should be clear to all of us who are following the news that uh, the season is changing. The prophetic season is changing. We're entering into a new season. Uh, we should be aware of that. Christ warns us and exhorted us to always be watching and to be aware of the season that we're in and to act accordingly. Now, whether the people win in the U.S. election or the globalists win, it really doesn't matter. And what I mean by that is it doesn't matter in the sense that America is gone. It's just a matter of time. It's how quickly will America collapse. But America is deeply divided. And it no longer is. I mean, I, America is a concept. America is an idea. And that concept and idea is gone. It is no longer the United States of America. The communist takeover is all but complete. It's something that began in the 1920s, and it has just been steadily working its plan and its agenda and infiltrating and then taking over various institutions uh, to the point where it's, it's like stage four cancer. And everyone in the free world, all of us, should be concerned about the state of America. America really is the last bastion of freedom. And we may not realize that, but the globalists, the communists, certainly realize it. And they have their crosshairs pointed squarely on America. America must be taken down. America must be taken out in order for the globalists to have their way. And so as America collapses, uh, the entire Western world will have less freedom, more violence, more governmental control, and no equality. Let's, let's begin today for our opening scripture. Let's turn to Revelation 13, Revelation 13 and verse 1. 
So we'll just begin here in Revelation 13 and verse 1, scripture, of course, that we're all familiar with, but the exhortation that we have from Christ is that we are blessed if we are reading the Revelation and reading it over and over and over again and not allowing it to fade into our distant memory. And scripture is like that. Uh, we may know the scriptures, but if we're not studying them, we forget them. And that's what Satan wants. Satan wants us to forget the, where we are on the clock. And Satan, when we forget where we are on the clock, then we point the compass in the wrong direction. And we're not concerned which direction the compass is pointing in, and we're chasing after wind and, and following fools instead of following the Lord. Revelation 13 and verse 1, John writes, And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea. This is a Gentile beast having seven heads and ten horns. And upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. This is antichrist to the core. Everything that we have known about Christianity, any semblance of Christianity, this beast's agenda is to completely remove it from the earth. It is blasphemy to the core. And the beast, which I saw, was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. And his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power. Satan gave him his power. This is real. This, this, is, this time is running out. Satan knows he has a short time. This is a desperate move. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and great authority. Great authority. So we are moving towards this globalism. We are heading headlong into this future. Where are you, brethren? What have you, what are you doing? What are you saying? Are you accelerating the blasphemy? Or are you resisting the blasphemy? Christianity must stand in opposition to this globalism. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death. Huh. One of his heads was wounded to death. And his deadly wound was healed. So that would mean, if we're looking at our prophecy watch at a prophecy clock, that we must be in the process, we must be in the time of the healing of this deadly wound and the resurrection of this deadly beast. And all the world, the whole world, wondered after the beast. So if we find ourselves as Christians going along with the world, our compass must be pointing in the wrong direction. We're heading south, and, and somehow we've been deceived to think we're heading north. Because the whole world is going south. The whole world is going down the drain. And we're marching along with them, thinking we're doing something great. Because we're not paying attention to the clock and the compass. We're running out of time. The compass must point in the right direction. We get our bearings from the scripture. And the scripture tells us when the whole world is going one direction, Christians ought not to follow. These people who, who follow after the beast, and they worshipped the dragon. Huh. Not only were they wandering after the beast, but they ended up worshipping Satan himself. How about that? Are, are, we, are we getting caught up in this? It's amazing, you know, as I interact with various people and kind of test, um, just test the waters, their knowledge of scripture. Uh, Jews, Christians, just everyday people, atheists. The world is biblically illiterate. The world is biblically illiterate. It doesn't know the Bible. It has no clue what's in the Bible. 
So it's no wonder if we are studying the Bible, studying it line by line, book by book, Genesis to Revelation, we're very familiar with its contents. It's no wonder that we think differently, we speak differently, and that we walk in a completely different direction. We walk worthy of this vocation. The world follows the course of the prince of the power of the air. So <laughs> we, we should not be surprised if we do not agree with popular movements. We should not be surprised if we do not go with the world, with their sentiments and their, their virtue signaling and emotionalism. No, we don't. Because where they're heading is to worship Satan. And they worship the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, who is like unto the beast? Notice, who is able to make war with him? So this beast is an incredible military power. And, and, you know, we know today the military might of the United States of America, the likes of which the world has never seen. And for the most part, this is a benevolent power. The world has never seen this. The world has never seen such a, a, a great power that has actually tried to um, fight for the freedom of humanity. And, of course, there's corruption, of course, these human beings. But in terms of the, the system itself and how it's set up and the, the, the thinking behind it, it's based on Judeo-Christian principles. It's based upon biblical principles. And, and so when you have this kind of power with biblical principles, you know what? For the most part, people can live pretty well. But what if you hijack that power and give it to somebody else who does not adhere to biblical principles? And this division, this deep division that we see within America today, the, the, the country is uh, it's just we've never seen anything like this and and heading into the election cycle the the, the, the latter end of the election cycle and uh, into the inauguration uh, we're going to see bloodshed guaranteed it's uh, it's hard not to see this and uh, you know fortunately uh, for Americans we ha they have the second amendment and Christians have the second amendment but a, a warning to brethren the Second Amendment is there for defensive measures, to defend yourself, to defend your home. And, and there's going to be such deception and such uh, aggravation and, and provocation that, you know, if America avoids a civil war, it will be a miracle. But woe unto anybody who takes up arms and ends up killing another human being made in the image of God, for whatever reason, except self-defense. Uh, we can't allow ourselves to get sucked into this satanic conflict. Our, our sights are set much higher. Our allegiance is to a much higher government. These people worship Satan, which gave power unto the beast. And they worship the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? And who has this level of military power? Who is able to make war with him? So the answer is, so the question is asked in a way that nobody... That means America is not on the scene at this point. America's power means nothing. It's been hijacked and taken over. And this division is allowing, you know, Americans don't realize there are others outside of America and inside America that hate America, that want to bring America down. So all of this division is just weakening America and making her ripe for the picking. And this was planned from the 1920s. So 100 years later, here we are. It's all ripe now. These people have been very patient and working very methodically. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. 
and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So it's a it's a short period of time, but it's intense. So three and a half years, but it's going to be an intense three and a half years, and that's that's his that's his time, and and we have to be watching the clock and the compass. But he's going to be given three and a half years, and he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God. That's where this is heading. And again, I ask you, what are you supporting right now? Are you finding yourself in alignment and in accordance with the world and and popular movements? Because this is where it's all heading. And you're being sucked into and being seduced to support Satan and the causes of Satan and not the causes of the Lord. He opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name. We have to be focused on God's name. Matthew 24 we will be hated by all nations because of his name. And all nations will hate his name and blaspheme his name because they are worshipping Satan. To blaspheme his name and his tabernacle where he dwells and them that dwell in heaven. And it's going to be crafty language. It's going to be great rhetoric. It's so loving and so kind. It's just such beautiful rhetoric for idiots to follow, not for God's people. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. Brother shall betray brother, because brother shall get sucked into this deception. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. That's his agenda. That's his agenda. To blaspheme God and to make war with the saints. Rhetoric, beautiful, loving rhetoric, notwithstanding. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. So you shall be hated by all kindreds and tongues and nations because you are preaching the true gospel and you understand the name of God and you are standing up for the name of God and nothing else. You're not sucked into deceptive movements. But brethren, as this world changes, as America falls, and again, it doesn't matter what the outcome is, uh, America is falling. Uh, America is over. America's over. And with it, our, what we have known in terms of freedom. And so, this is where we're heading. Revelation 13, verse 7. Are you prepared? Do you have some backbone? Do you have some courage? Are you prepared for martyrdom? Or, in the back of your mind, are you just hoping no matter what, you can escape? That, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather be a mask than be beheaded. Is that your concept? Or are you like, you know what, I'd rather be beheaded than be unfaithful. I'd rather be beheaded and sit with God forever and and, and be honored by God for eternity than to comply with the ways of this world and be humiliated by God forever. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints. That's his agenda. And to overcome them. Oh, well, we, we are Christians. That it is in, as he thinks he's overcoming us, Our commitment to Christ and our commitment to each other, we are actually overcoming him. When he thought he was conquering Christ, Christ actually conquered him and put to rest his whole agenda. And we are followers of Christ. We're following the exact same approach. So power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations, so he's going to use them against the people of God. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. This is where we're heading. That means that any vestiges of true Christianity will be removed. Even the people who carry the true message, he's going to have power over us. 
And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So we need our names in this book, and they need to stay in this book. They can be in this book and then scratched out, etched out, as we see in Revelation 2 and 3. We need our, books to re- we need our, our names to remain in this book. Because anybody who is not in this book is going to worship Satan and the beast. If any man have an ear, let him hear. This is the time of hearing. This is the time that you know, Judah has been under this curse of deafness. Israel has been under this curse of deafness. God is looking for people who will hear and allow his words into our heart. That's how the book ends with the book of Revelation. And this short three and a half hour period, three and a half year period, sorry, a very short period but intense period of great tribulation uh, where Satan has his way and Satan can be like the Most High for three and a half years. This all began, this agenda began in Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, we see this first effort of Satan to unite mankind and to have a united nations, one world government. It actually began, but it was interrupted. And now we see in Revelation 13, it's coming coming to its conclusion. They They finally get the agenda back on track. But here in Revelation 11 and verse 1, and the whole earth was of one language, and of one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Come, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. This is the leading edge, state-of-the-art technology is what they're engaged in here, which is the same thing we're seeing today in order to bring to pass this vision. And they had brick for stone and slime they had for mortar. And they said, come, let us build a city and a tower whose, you know, this this, uh, political and religious, same thing we see in Revelation 13, whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make us a name, a name that contradicts the name of God, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. So that, that motivation, they don't realize it, but it's coming from the dragon. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men built, And the Lord said, Behold, the people are one. They have now combined to share the same agenda, to share the same global objectives. The people are one. And they have all one language. They can now communicate with each other. Again, now today, although they have different languages, they have the technology to quickly convert and translate, and so they can truly have one language. And this they begin to do. This is what they begin to do. It's very clear what the agenda is here. And now, nothing will be restrained from them. Or or really what we could read here between the lines. And now nothing will be restrained from the dragon. Now the dragon will have his way with mankind. Now the dragon will set himself up as the most high. His religious system will infiltrate the earth. And with it the violence and the subjugation and the removal of the saints from the earth. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. Now, they haven't clearly communicated. We, we can't see here. What is, what is it that they've imagined to do? What is the agenda? God knows. We don't know, but God knows. 
And now they, they have this beautiful rhetoric of mankind, one big hug, and we just all need to come together and, and look after the disadvantaged people, and we must stand up for the disadvantaged people, and, and we must work against this pandemic, and, and we must all come and hold hands and hug together. And God knows what they imagine to do. We don't know. We fall for the rhetoric. God, knowing what's in their imagination, fueled by the dragon, says, come, let us go down. And there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So whatever it is they have imagined to do, God's saying, no, at least not yet. When we come now to Revelation 13 and the three and a half years, God says, go ahead. Do what you've imagined to do. But this is it. And I'm actually going to use what you've imagined to do to purify my people. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there upon the face of all the earth. And they left off to build the city. So they didn't leave their ideology. They didn't give up on the project. They just had to now pursue it in in a tribal way. Or we could say a national way. Until our time. When now they can understand one another's speech and they can cooperate and they can have one agenda and do everything that they have imagined to do. It's interesting how the word Nimrod is is hunter, mighty hunter. And it's interesting in the same time how we have the name hunter around the world being broadcast. So this objective to unite mankind under a mighty hunter, this is where we are now or this is where we're heading with Revelation 13, one who hunts for souls, precious souls, which this is what they've imagined to do. And God said no, because the seed had not yet come yet. God's agenda had not yet played out. But now everything that God wanted to put in place has been put in place. And now we just need to let, let everything play out and see who's who and who will truly repent and who will truly stand for God and who will give themselves over to Satan. So he's very, very close now to uniting mankind to do his bidding. And so there's no doubt that, that technology, you know, you think nobody can buy or sell and this ability to understand one another's speech and to, to communicate globally, absolutely no doubt that technology is going to play a major role in this plunge into global tyranny. And we see all the major tech companies wholeheartedly, enthusiastically embracing this, this globalism as they seek to protect the power that this incredible power that they have achieved. But it's not going to be technology alone. And, and I think as we look at how the news is unfolding, it should become increasingly clear to us that fear will be an incredibly important tool in gaining global compliance to this global tyranny, that people will, will agree and follow because of fear. I forget who it was that somebody had interviewed Hitler, and like, how did you get the Germans to follow you like this? And he said, fear. He used fear. And that's what's happening now. And, and the Christian, unlike the rest of the world, should not be governed by fear. The Christian must not be governed by fear. Second Timothy 1. Second Timothy 1. Let me uh, take a drink out of my courage mug. Be strong and courageous. All of us need to be following that edict. More courage is needed. More courage is needed. Christians should not be governed by fear. And that's the tool that Satan is going to use to really strip mankind of his freedom 
with their, their voluntary compliance, mankind will wholeheartedly agree. Take away our freedoms simply because of fear. Second Timothy 1 and verse 6, Wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God. Every single one of us that have been baptized into the Lord, who have his Holy Spirit, we have the gift of God. Stir up the gift of God which is in you by the putting on of my hands. Why? For God has not given us the spirit of fear. So the world doesn't have access to this spirit. And therefore, in the face of this dreadfulness, in in the face of this nightmare that we're heading into, the world will be full of fear. Christians, leaders, elders, deacons, men who serve, women, noble women, children, we must be filled with something else besides fear. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So this, this gift that we have been given, it, it, it's, it's coupled with a sound mind, a mind that's not governed by fear, but by love and power. Revelation 13, what we just read, and Genesis 11, impel us <laughs> to be suspicious of global mu- movements. World Health Organization, United Nations, all of these global movements, and, and, and a global response to this global pandemic. Every time we hear the word global, I think it begs the question, what's, behind the, what, what's the agenda behind this globalist movement or this global initiative? And so this coronavirus has incredible gain of functions, very, very contagious, but it's nowhere near as lethal as we were led to believe initially. Initially, you know, we expected to be walking down the street and just seeing people dropping like flies, but that hasn't happened. So it's very contagious, but it's not very lethal. And somehow we haven't made the adjustment in the response to say, we're not saying, you know, oh, it's not as lethal, let's everybody calm down. No, fear, fear, fear. More and more people are going to drop dead. Sorry, they don't say that. What they, they hint at that, but what they really say is, more cases, more cases, more cases. And, and perhaps the most uh, popular human being on the planet right now, uh, or, or um, I don't know what the opposite word is, the not necessarily popular for good reasons, but maybe uh, for, for, for negative reasons, is President Trump. The whole world hates him, practically. But this man contracted the coronavirus. Everybody thought he was going to drop dead. Boom, he's back with even more energy. 74 years old, overweight, uh, many you know, reasons for him to be vulnerable to this thing. Not as bad as we thought. People in his White House have contracted it. They've bounced back. You know, do we really need this hysteria associated with this virus? But why let a good crisis go to waste? Let's just keep the media feeding this hysteria and feeding fear. We're living in a time where we have begun to normalize criminal behavior. And just this summer, you look at George Floyd as a criminal. And you look at the global support for George Floyd, even in our church. 
we have brethren choosing George Floyd over elders of Jesus Christ. So we're normalizing criminal behavior. And now phase two is to criminalize normal behavior. We're now criminalizing normal behavior. To, to walk down the street, if you're in Italy, <laughs> some places in America, uh, you're, 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 in, you're in Canada, in the UK, and you're walking down the street, you're outside, you're breathing God's air, and police are going to come and harass you. I saw a video of a, a mother of two uh, watching her son playing high school football in the stadium, social distancing. She wasn't wearing her mask. Police comes over and roughs her up. Uh, it's hard, it was hard to watch. Roughs her up to arrest her for not wearing a face mask. Arrest her for normal behavior. Sitting outside, breathing God's air, watching her children. This is normal behavior, but it's been criminalized. This is, this is where we're heading, where, where laws are being changed at, at, at the whim of politicians. And, and incredible force is being employed to arrest people for what used to be just normal behavior. And then what we're seeing criminals do in terms of rioting and looting and shooting and murdering and beheading and, and no effort to find them. Just, just let them go. Or even if they are arrested and they're brought to court, the district attorneys are, are communists. And so they just let them go. So this mask initiative, this global mask initiative, very, very interesting. I had a brother write me a, a, handheld, a handwritten letter. Uh, brother Vincent, thanks so much for your letter. Uh, it's unusual to get um, a handwritten letter and a long letter. Uh, appreciation, appreciate the, the, all the appreciation that we do get uh, from the brethren. Uh, but in, in this letter, as Brother Vincent, it was just laying out the, 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 how ludicrous, when you actually think about it logically, and he just sort of laid out the logic behind it, how ludicrous the mask is. That, that these masks were designed to be worn in a surgical environment for the doctor to ensure that he does not infect the patient or she does not infect the patient. And now we're taking these masks you know, and wearing them everywhere. And handling them, and, and, and these masks are, are, you know, prone to collect bacteria. Nobody cares. You, you, you could wipe your mask, you could wipe the toilet with your mask, and then come and put it on. Nobody cares. Nobody's going to scan the mask to tell you, hey, look, you realize there's tons of bacteria on this mask? You're, you're attracting bacteria with this mask? Nobody cares. It's just virtue signaling. If you, if you, if you know, God created Adam, and he breathed the breath of life into him. And from that moment, when Adam began to breathe, until now, we have never seen human beings voluntarily obstruct the breath of life. That, that we, we need oxygen, and we need to ex exhale carbon dioxide. And the whole climate movement is about carbon is bad. Carbon, carbon is bad. And yet we have to have this mask over our face for hours, breathing in the carbon that they tell us is so bad and leading to a condition called hypercapnia where the, the carbon dioxide levels are too high in the blood that, that we should be at 0.04% of carbon dioxide in the blood. But when we exhale carbon dioxide, the body's trying to get rid of it, it's at 4%, that 4% content of carbon dioxide, and we're breathing that back in. It's like, it's like sitting in a diaper all day, breathing in our exhale. And then we need oxygen. The, the oxygen we bring in, it should be at 20%. But when we're breathing our exhale, 
there's only 16% content, when anything less than 19% is cause for concern. And this leads to a condition called hypoxia. And if you do have any other kind of uh, um, comorbidities or any kind of health issues, reducing the amount of oxygen in your blood is the worst thing you can do. All of the diseases thrive in a bloodstream that has less oxygen than it should have. So, you know, what, what's going on here? What's going on here? And, and th- th- this professional doctor, Dr. Fauci, who's telling everybody, you must mask up, you must mask up. Uh, let, let's listen to him. Let, let's listen to what he has to say or had to say. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. No reason to when wear a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and <laughs> yes, it might it even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it ah, is. Ah, really? And often, there are unintended consequences. Indeed. People keep fiddling with the oh, mask yes, and they keep the touching time. their face. In the last yeah. few days, Ontario so, and Quebec... So that's really interesting. We'll come back to uh, our, our leader, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau, in just a moment. But do these leaders really care about us? Do they really care about us? Is this... Uh, are, are these leaders that are telling us, wear your mask because we love you and we're so concerned about you? When the science, and, and there's a book that I just saw uh, recently released, um, 10 Reasons, I think I forget the exact title for it, but 10 Reasons um, Why the Mask is Dangerous, Wearing a Mask is Dangerous for Your Health. And they show the science that this is, this is completely nonsensical, what we're doing. But we're doing it anyway. You know, if, I, if, you, are, if you were to fly on a plane, an eight-hour flight, you must wear this mask for the eight hours. They don't, nobody's giving an announcement to say after three hours, I think, you, you know, if you haven't changed your mask, change your mask, put on a fresh one. We'll provide a fresh one for you. In fact, we're going to drop down the oxygen masks so that you can breathe clean oxygen for the flight. Where, where so we love you so much. No. Keep your filthy mask on. And I, I'm, I'm convinced in five years we're going to face an epidemic of oral cancer. I think we're already seeing signs of, of mouth diseases. So we're in this hysteria where nobody must die and nobody must get sick. And at the same time, there's a devastating impact of these, these, this, this lockdown, depression, suicide, domestic abuse, drug abuse, and atomization of society. We don't see each other's faces. We're afraid of each other. We're now acting as distinct individuals who don't feel as part of a community. This, this is all terrible, all, all terrible where we're heading. And somehow the answer to all our problems, these manufactured problems, this manufactured hysteria, somehow the, the answer is always more government. We need the government to bring us justice. We need the government to bring us health. We need the government to give us money. It's always more government. What could possibly go wrong? Let's listen now to our leader here in Canada, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau have had their highest ever numbers of cases. That's not where any of us wanted to be on the way into Thanksgiving. But even if we can't gather this long weekend, we still have a chance to turn things around for Christmas. Okay, so so we know exactly what's going on here, friends. We know what's coming for Canada and for everywhere else in the world. 
Our little buddy Justin Trudeau, he may be on the Davos JV team, but he's fully on board with the global reset. This is about safety, and it's about what's right for Canadians. The global reset is a communist plan. The federal government will have your back oh, whenever it takes. Beautiful. beautiful. While yes. we're dealing with this pandemic, I don't want you or your oh. parent or your friend to take on debt that your government can better shoulder. We all want to build a stronger country for everyone. That's really fascinating, that they don't want us to be in debt. Since when? That they'll take our debt away from us. There's an old saying, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So if you have a mortgage, maybe the government's going to say, we'll take that debt away from you. And what does that mean? We'll take your property away from you as well. We're heading to this global slavery. And, and Justin Trudeau, our prime minister, is on record as saying that Canada is the first post-national country, that we're no longer a country. We're now a state in the global village. He's on record saying that. And now there's this agenda. This, this is not his ideas. But now we're being told that there's this agenda to take that. The government is in a better position to shoulder our debt. Really? I thought the government was near bankrupt. And so when the government goes bankrupt, maybe the UN is in a better position to shoulder the country's debt. And then we all just lose our freedom. Surely we're smarter than this. We're wiser than this. But to do so, we have to double our efforts to fight climate changes. Auto workers building zero-emission vehicles, engineers and construction workers delivering green retrofits for our homes and buildings. We must keep making progress on reconciliation with indigenous peoples and on fighting systemic racism. What is this guy doing? This is like 1938 Berlin or something going on right now. And I would say that, you know, Trump maybe should start building a wall on our northern border also. But you know what, friends, in three weeks, if we don't wake up, there's going to be no need for our Canadian brothers and sisters to leave the homeland and come down south. Thanksgiving gatherings could send coronavirus cases soaring. Do you agree with that? Oh, I do. I do. And, and that's really uh, an unfortunate fact. You may have to bite the bullet and sacrifice that social gathering, that church gathering. unless you're pretty certain that the people that Forsake you're dealing with are not together. infected. Then it's okay. Is it, Tony? Is it? Is it okay? And by the way, is it okay if we go potty, too? Is that all right? Can we go to the bathroom? The nanny state. Meanwhile, as you can see on the screen here in America, friends, let's just cut to the chase. We have fewer deaths from all causes here in America, deaths. here in 2020, than we had in 2018, 2019, about the same as 2017, you know, despite the fact that COVID's been here since then. But who cares? Who's paying attention? Nobody, right? We wouldn't even know there was a pandemic if it weren't for the TV set. Am I right? We're not seeing anybody. Everybody who I know personally who's contracted this thing is doing just fine. Okay, so that was uh, from the Rubin Report as well. So uh, interesting, interesting um, talk. Then there's just one other video actually that I wanted to show you, and I'll, maybe I'll just show that a little bit. But it's just showing where we're heading in Ontario with uh, with all of this. Um, I won't show it now just because I can't look it up, but it's um, it's in the Ontario legislature and they are asking there, there's somebody who got a hold of an RFP that the federal government issued uh, requesting suppliers to respond to build 
uh, internment camps that, that uh, in, in Ontario and across Canada, Canadian citizens will be put in housing, forced, forcefully put in housing, uh, apparently for the COVID crisis, that if, they, if we suspect that you have COVID, you'll be put in these, these internment camps. Um, but then the, the um, government official who's questioning this is saying, it actually doesn't say COVID. It looks like this can be done for any reason. He's saying, like, what's going on here? And then you see the speaker of the, of, of the House just move on to the next question. He doesn't allow this question to be answered. I, I wish I, I don't want to take time to, to cue that up, but uh, quite, quite fascinating where we're heading and, and how people, because of fear, we're allowing ourselves to be subjugated. And this mask is really a symbol of our subjugation. And I'm not saying stop wearing the mask. It's, 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 it's required by law. And Christians, we are law-abiding. But what I am saying is there's a lot of um, nonsense behind this, and there's a lot of lack of science behind this. I was sitting in a restaurant with my wife the other day, and we, we got to the table, and we had our masks on, and we were about to take them off. And she said, the, the waitress said to us, oh, you cannot take your mask off until we serve you drinks. And then I had to call her over afterwards and say, can you please explain to me the logic behind this ruling? Well, why can't we take our masks off until you serve us drinks? And, and, and she said she didn't know. It's like, is COVID looking and saying, oh, they're having drinks now. We, we, uh, the, the virus, we can't attack people when they're having drinks. So, so there's just no logic behind this. You're on a plane and, and everybody can take their masks off when it's time to eat. Is the, is the virus saying, oh, they're eating, we better not attack. And, and the, the mask itself does not protect against the virus. So, so what we're doing does not make sense and yet we're doing it globally. I'm not saying don't wear the mask. I'm just saying let's be aware that we're being forced to comply to things that actually don't make sense. And we know that the globalists hate Jesus Christ, and their objective is to remove freedom so that they can remove the worship of Christ. So Second Timothy 1 and verse 8, and just continuing here where we were, he says, Be not you therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. So we're going to be heading into a time when standing up for Christ and speaking the testimony of the Lord is going to cause offense and is going to cause persecution. But we're being told here, don't have a spirit of fear. Have a spirit of power and love and sound-mindedness. So don't be ashamed, but you have to stir up the spirit to do this. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. So again, a time when this faithful man is in prison because of the gospel. So don't be, afraid, don't be ashamed of that. But be you partaker. Listen to this. Here's our choice. Do we run for freedom? Uh, or, or I should run, run from persecution, I mean. Do we run from persecution because we're afraid? Or do we stand our ground? in the testimony of the Lord. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner, but be you partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Huh. Seems to sound like Matthew 24, that the gospel has afflictions associated with it. And we're being told, be a partaker of this. Sign up for this. Don't back down. Don't be afraid. Don't be wiring your brain to be afraid. And to see what's happening around the world and think, oh, I hope that doesn't happen to me. No. Sign me up. As a true follower of Christ, we need to have this. That, okay, Lord, if that's, I'm in your hands. And I will, I will go where you lead me. And so be you a partaker. This, be this. 
Be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. And if you weren't with us for the Ephesians study that's in the archive, this is the, the power that we have access to. So let's just very quickly, in the time remaining here, let's look at when compliance goes too far. Let's look at preparing for non-compliance, because at some point, they're going to ask for compliance, and it's going to go too far. You know, the mask may say, you know, there's no God but Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet, and you have to wear the mask. And it's a health issue, but it's also a, you know, we're all one. Black lives matter, and you have to wear this. Uh, no, now you've gone too far. So we need to be preparing for non-compliance. And we need to understand the glory of non-compliance. And, and Paul hinted at it there, that we need to sign up for these afflictions, knowing the glory that comes from non-compliance, meaning conforming to Christ and not to this world. So I'm just going to kind of scratch the surface here, and hopefully you'll be inspired to dig deeper. When does compliance go too far? Let's go to Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel 8. When does compliance go too far? Ezekiel 8. <clears throat> Where he says here, verse 5, Then he said unto me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now the way toward the north. So I lifted up my eyes the way toward the north, and behold, northward at the gate of the altar, this image of jealousy in the entry. He said furthermore unto me, Son of man, see you what they do, even the great abominations that the house of Israel commits here that I should go far off from my sanctuary. So, so the house of Israel was involved in great abominations. We know that the world obviously will be involved in these abominations. But how do these great abominations come into the house of Israel? And how is it that the people comply with this? It all happens oh so gradually. And we'll see the exact same thing in Judah today as we will see in the church today, in spiritual Judah. That is just bit by bit, we start using human reasoning, and, and slowly we start bringing these abominations into the church, but because they come in slowly, we don't notice it. We have women coming into the service half naked, and nobody cares. We have men performing in a sexual immoral way, and nobody cares. We have idolatry creeping into the church, and it's not shocking. It all happens oh so gradually. And then God looks and he says, Son of man, come here and look at this. Even the great abominations that the house of Israel commits here, that I shall go far off from my sanctuary, but turn you again, turn you yet again, and you shall see even greater abominations. You think that's bad? Come, look, look even further at this. And he brought me to the door of the court. And when I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, go in. And behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. This is the house of Israel. These are the people of God. This is the covenant people. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things and abominable beasts and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. Deep, deep into idolatry. How do we go from being the covenant people to being fully immersed in great abominations and idolatry? The answer is gradually. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel. These are the leaders. 
And in the midst of them stood Jazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. These are the religious leaders. And they are leading the house of Israel in these abominations. Then said he unto me, Son of man, have you not seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery? Don't you see what I'm contending with here? These are my people. Do you have any idea what they do in the dark? Do we have any idea what members of the church do in the dark? Do we have any idea what Judah does? What, what, what Israel does? You know, we, we, we just found, uh, we got wind of this laptop from hell. And apparently, all kinds of pedophilia and incest and drug abuse and all kinds of things. This is the house of Israel. Do you have any idea what they do in the dark? And then they can, everybody can put on a nice suit, jacket, and look nice and smell nice. For they say, the Lord sees us not. The Lord has forsaken the earth. It doesn't matter. He said also unto me, turn you yet again, and you shall see even greater abominations that they do. Then he brought me to the door of the gate of the Lord's house, which was toward the north. And behold, there sat women weeping for Tammuz, weeping for him, weeping for him. It's like the Black Lives Matter movement, weeping for him. Then said he unto me, have you seen this, O son of man? Turn you yet again, and you shall see great... Uh, like, when does it stop? And how did it start? And how did it come into the covenant community? Well, it came in gradually. And ultimately, the whole earth is worshipping the beast and worshipping the dragon that gives power to the beast and brother is betraying brother. This is what we have to fight against. And you shall see greater abominations than these. And he brought me into the inner court, the inner court of the Lord's house. And behold, at the door of the temple of the Lord... Between the porch and the altar were about five and twenty men with their backs toward the temple of the Lord. With their backs toward the temple of the Lord and their faces toward the east. And they worshipped the sun toward the east. These are the covenant people of God. Then said he unto me, Have you seen this, O son of man? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit abominations which they commit here? Do did, did they take this lightly? And you know, these same Jews, they read the Torah, they teach their children the Torah, and all they have is rebellion against Christ, rejection of the Messiah. And they teach that generation after generation. And these same Jews, the descendants of these same Jews, are alive today. And they're in very great positions of power. And they are corrupt, unfortunately. And then somebody needs to be bringing the gospel to them to let them know you are the house of Israel, you are the covenant people of God, and you need to repent, and you need to turn to your Messiah. But we can only bring this message to them if we ourselves repent, if we ourselves clean up our, our act, if we ourselves remove these abominations from the church, so that we can be a clean vessel for the Lord, and not distracted, not having the clock telling us the wrong time, and the compass pointing in the wrong direction. For they have filled the land with violence, and have returned to provoke me to anger. And lo, they put the branch to their nose. Therefore will I also deal in fury. And, and if we're true Christians, we are preaching the fury of God, the wrath of God, because that's what's coming. And we cannot avoid this. If we're not talking about this, there's something wrong. Therefore I will also deal in my fury. My eye shall not spare. Neither will I have pity. This is Jesus Christ. This is God speaking. My eye shall not spare. 
neither will I have pity. We need to be warning these people and turning them to the Lord so that they can repent and avoid this. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, yet will I not hear them. So three and a half year period of intense tribulation. And God is saying, you chose this. You chose this. So we see, God's, we see Satan's handiwork here. And we've got to have, you know, uh, Pastor Murray said last week, it takes more than common sense to read the Bible. And these people read the Bible. These Jews are reading the Bible all the time. But they don't understand it. Somebody needs to bring it to them. And then Christ warned us that many false prophets are going to deceive many and, and iniquity is going to abound and the agape is going to, to run cold. So what afflicted Judah, physical Judah, the same thing afflicts spiritual Judah. But we have to endure to the end and it's going to be a battle to the end. But we're wrestling not with flesh and blood. What are we wrestling against? What is the power we're wrestling against? Let's go to Matthew 8. Matthew 8, to understand this power we're wrestling against. Matthew 8 and verse 28. And when he came to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils. So these devils, this is who we're wrestling against. These demons, not flesh and blood. It's the power behind the flesh and blood that we have to wrestle with. So here's an example of what we're wrestling with. There met him two possessed with demons coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, exceeding fierce. This is why we're seeing the violence that we're seeing in our society now. It's not the flesh and blood. It's these exceeding fierce demons that are activating the flesh and blood. And, and God is saying, you know, in Genesis 11, God cut it short. In Revelation 13, they're free to have their way. And what's happening now is our world is being set up so that the dragon can have his way against the saints. And these demons are exceeding fierce. And we, being deceived, are supporting these movements that are giving power to the dragon and his followers. Coming out of the tombs, exceeding fierce, so that no man might pass that way. This is how dangerous these men were, activated by these demons. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? And this puts me in mind of Ephesians 19, where the demons there say, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? So here you, they know Jesus. And, and we should have this uh, contentious uh, relationship, this adversarial relationship with the adversary. If we're in league with the adversary, he's not an adversary anymore. He's a companion. We should be in adversarial relationship and teaching against all things that are false. And they cried, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Are you come here to torment us? Notice this. Have you come here to torment us before the time? They are watching the clock. God's people are not watching the clock. God's people think we have all the time in the world. The Satan's, these, these, these demons are saying, well, wait, 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 what's going on here? We, we, we thought we had time. Have you come like prematurely to torment us? So they know they're going to be tormented. But they thought they had more time because they're watching the clock. And there was, a, there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils begged Christ saying, if you cast us out, allow us to go away into the herd of swine. So they want, they're, they're embodying this, these men. And now they know Christ is going to release these human beings made in his image from these demons. 
and who who mean no good to mankind, who are violent and want to destroy mankind. And so they're asking now, okay, we want to inhabit the swine. It seems like they always want to be inhabiting something, somebody. Can we inhabit those bodies? And he said unto them, go. So he allowed it. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine. And behold, the whole herd of swine ran what? Violently down a steep place into the sea and perished into the waters. I don't think that these demons understood that this was going to happen. I thought they, they thought that they could get control over these swine. But I think the amount of power, violent power, this kind of electrical force that they bring with them when they inhabited these, this, this, this whole herd of swine, it was just too much. And, and, and the, 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 the muscles of the swine, just I think they just went crazy and just following the force of gravity and just down the hill into the waters and the swine perished. The demons didn't perish. But we get a sense of the, the, the intense energy of this demonic world. And this is what we're up against. We get a sense of the violence of this demonic world and their desire to destroy men made in God's image. And, and we know that the agenda is actually to destroy the people of God. This is what we're up against. Can we afford to be following all these false movements and allowing these, these false movements to cause us to have division among us? Or should we be having a, a much, much bigger picture and looking at the compass and watching the clock? We need to prepare for non-compliance. In 1 Peter 3 and verse 8, he says, uh, Peter says to us, Finally, be you all of one mind. We should be studying the scriptures with the Holy Spirit, not just common sense. With the Holy, it takes the Holy Spirit to understand this. And having one mind, we should be coming to one conclusion. Having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful and be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, nor railing for railing, but on the, other, the opposite. Blessing knowing that thereunto you are called, that you should inherit a blessing. So he drops down now and he says in verse 12, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to our prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And so that's what Satan wants, and that's what the demons want, is for us to do evil. But he says here in verse um, 14, if we suffer for righteousness' sake, for righteousness' sake, for the testimony of the Lord, if we suffer, you're, we're blessed. We're blessed. So we, we're going to choose the afflictions of the gospel, knowing that if we suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you. And be not afraid of their terror. The whole world is going to be afraid of their terror, activated and animated by the, the demonic world. We must not be. We have a sound mind. Neither be troubled. But sanctify the Lord God in your heart and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So in the face of terror, there's a sound mindedness. There's a peace. There's no fear. And, and it's puzzling to people. They're like, what's with you? Like, why are you so calm in the face of all of this? And then you're ready to give an answer. That's the context of that verse. So we're, we're, we are, in Romans 12, we're asked to bring our bodies as a living sacrifice and, and ultimately a full sacrifice. 
And verse 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's go now to Isaiah. Isaiah 50 and verse 7. He says, for the, and, and this is in the archives, Isaiah. This is part 16 of uh, Second Isaiah, of, of the Gospel according to Isaiah. would encourage you to, to go through it. I, I don't have the time. I wish I could just read it all. It's so beautiful. Um, but let's just pick up verse 7, Isaiah 50, verse 7. For the Lord God will help me. This is the suffering servant speaking. This is Christ. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. We are followers of Christ. This is what we do. We set our face like a flint. This is a time of incredible trouble that's ahead of us. We set our face like flint. Let's go down now to Isaiah 51, the the scripture reading today. And verse 1, hopefully you'll go back to the archive and and do the line-by-line study of this passage, part 16. Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness. So there are followers of Christ now. Who, Who are these? These are the true covenant people. And, you know, we have a role as first fruits to bring in more, to bear more fruit and turn these people to God's righteousness. Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look unto the rock from whence you are hewn and to the hole of the pit whence you are digged. So we, we need to do this. We need to look. This is if we are following after righteousness and seeking the Lord, we need to understand our origins Where did this all begin? So what is the rock? Verse 2, look unto Abraham, your father, and unto Sarah that bare you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Alone. God's entire plan for mankind, it is only in Abraham. Don't let any blasphemy tell us otherwise. Don't fall for any any deception. The truth is in Abraham. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, because we understand the truth is in Abraham, and that God is a God of covenant, and he will never go back on his covenant, no matter what happens to Jerusalem right now. And uh, Donald Trump has uh, successfully brought in Sudan now into this peace agreement. And, and when you listen to the Jews, they, they think that they're the chosen, they're, well, they know they're the chosen people, but they think that they're just so wonderful, and everything's going to be fine, and, and they believe in these peace deals. We don't, and we're warning them. Don't trust in these peace deals. You are going to be slaughtered by these, these people. Are, Donald Trump is a businessman. He's a negotiator. And so he's negotiating. He, he's, he's thinking that he's dealing with business people, reasonable people. And he doesn't study Koran. He doesn't study Hadith. He doesn't understand what these people really believe. And so he's negotiating these deals thinking this is wonderful. Look at all the peace I'm putting in place. And, and wonderful for him that he's not out trying to create wars and, and get rich off wars. But he doesn't understand. We understand. And, and the Jews don't understand. They think this is wonderful. And we're like, caution. You're going to be slaughtered by these people. For the Lord shall comfort Zion, but he will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places. So there's going to be waste places, peace deals notwithstanding. And he will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. This is God's agenda. This is God's plan. 42 months of hell notwithstanding. 42 months of the beast having unleashed uh, power notwithstanding. Hearken unto me, my people, and give ear unto me, O my nation. 
for Allah shall proceed from me, and I will make my judgment to rest for a light of the people. This is the judgment. This is the justice we look for. My righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. His salvation has gone forth. That happened 2,000 years ago. There is nothing that can reverse this salvation. The plan is in place. The council is in place. The process is unfolding. There is nothing that can reverse this salvation. The salvation has gone forth. And my arm shall judge the people. The isle shall wait upon me, and my arm, in my arm, on my arm shall they trust. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look upon the earth beneath. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke, and the earth shall wax old like a garment, and they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. So all this power that these men are running after and will successfully obtain, and the degradation that is coming for God's people, and the, the impoverishment that is coming for God's people, all of it is just for a moment. Because all these men are going to die. All these men are going to be put down by God himself. But the salvation of God shall be forever. The whole world is going to come to conform to Christ, and his righteousness shall not be abolished. He says, Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my law. Fear you not the reproach of men. We cannot be people cultivating fear. We cannot be people who speak based upon fear. We cannot be people encouraging each other to fear. The instruction from the scripture is, Fear you not the reproach of men. Neither be you afraid of their revilings. We need to be wiring our minds from now, knowing what's coming, that we will be calm. We will, if, if, martyrdom, if martyrdom is in our future, then that's the, that's, the blessed, that's the honor that God is allowing for us. That ancient prophets would have longed to have this honor. We are, we are heading into glorious times. These are the times of our glory. We need to be preparing each other for this glory. He says, the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. That's their future. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. So we have to look to Abraham. And that's where we, in, in Hebrews 6, we see that God, and maybe we'll just pick up one, one verse. Um, actually, he says in, in, in Hebrews 6, and verse 9, he says, Beloved, we are persuaded of better things of you. Because these people, these Hebrews were failing because of fear and failing because of persecution. And, 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 and we believe as the Apostle Paul had to really upbraid them and say, get your act together. And, and, and if you have to be martyred, you have to be martyred, but get your act together. And, and he warns them of what will happen to people who turn back and, and the, the horrible end that will, 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 will become them. And then he says, but beloved, we're persuaded of better things of you and of things that accompany salvation. Although we speak like this, we're really, we're confident you're going to make it, you're going to repent. Um, he says, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. And as I was reading uh, this passage, verse 10, I, I just thought of this injury that I've, I've had now for about two months. Uh, it's called a DQ syndrome, Ducurvain syndrome. And it's an it's a, um, inflammation of the tendon. It's extremely painful. 
the way to describe it is like it's it's not painful until you put your um, wrist or your thumb in the wrong way, and then it's like somebody's standing over you with a knife and jabbing it into you as hard as they possibly can. It's a it's an intense pain, and and you know how I got this injury? It's just overuse. I just was all the different buttons I push and what the work that I do. It's just overuse. And so the thumb was just overused, and so now I have to brace it 24-7 in order to avoid surgery. And I was uh, anointed by Pastor Murray at the feast, and I was coming along. The, 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 it was like I just braced it all the time. It was healing up nicely. And then uh, yesterday, I caught it on a door, and it just bent my thumb back, and it was excruciating pain, and uh, just like all the progress I was making, it set back. But, but I, I thought of this because, you know, one member of my body, was doing way more work. All the buttons, I'm using my thumb more than my fingers, and the work was not evenly distributed. We have to stir up the gift that is within us. And my question for you is, is the work in your congregation evenly distributed? Or are you sitting back and letting others do all the work so that then they're going to get some sort of an injury or or burnout? Uh, Or is the work evenly distributed? Are you bringing your gifts to the table? so that the body can be fully edified. So just a thought, but let's just drop down. This is a, a period of um, uh, intense uh, vulnerability for the church because of the persecution. And in verse 13, he looks back to Abraham, which is exactly what the instruction was in Isaiah. For when God may, say, says um, in verse 12, that through faith and patience, we will inherit the promises. Why? Because when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself. So dropping down now to verse 17, wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise, that's us, so he really wanted to show us this, the immutability of his counsel, he confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we may have strong consolation. We have to understand this, brethren, to look to Abraham. Abraham believed God because he knew it's impossible for God to lie. But what he had is he had a promise from God. It's not that just God just said it. God promised. So it's impossible for God to break a promise. But then he really wanted Abraham to know. So he swore an oath on top of the promise. So in two things in which it's impossible for him to to lie, it's impossible for him to lie in a promise, and it's impossible for him to lie in an oath. He put one on top of the other. That we who inherit the promises and look to Abraham, that by these two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we can have strong comfort. So that no matter what happens in the future, and we are heading into very dark, very dangerous, a very nightmarish time, and it's going to come very quickly. But because of these two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, the promise he gave to Abraham and the oath he swore to Abraham, we can now have absolute conviction that he will bring his glory to Zion and he will bring his glory to the first fruits who are faithful to him. And that's the last thing I wanted to cover is the glory of noncompliance. The glory of nonconformity, that there is um, a, a pain involved, there is affliction in standing against this way of the world and this conformity to the dragon. But there's a glory to it. And here in 1 Peter 1 and verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope 
by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It sounds just like what uh, Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians 1. He's, he's brought us by a lively hope, Ephesians 1 and 2, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. Brethren, this is reality. This is what's coming. There's this glorious inheritance that we have been grafted into, and it's ours, and it's waiting for us. And God is saying to us, you might have a little bit of trouble on earth between now and the time that I come, but I'm coming with this glory for you. Stay faithful. Look to the rock from which you were hewn. Look to Abraham, and look at the promise and the oath that I gave him. That by two immutable things in which it's impossible for God to lie, we can have strong consolation and we will not budge. And then people are like, why are you so calm? Let me explain to you the covenant that God has made. It doesn't matter how powerful these people are. It doesn't matter what they do. This is what God is doing. And he's promised it. And we are kept by the power of God. Again, sounds very like Ephesians. We are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is what's happening, brethren. We're being kept by this incredible power against these principalities and powers who are violent and dangerous and, and, and are taking over society and, and deceiving men and, and, and people to follow their ways that result in violence. There's no creativity. There's no creation, only destruction. I saw a black man the other day get punched in the face by Antifa and his tooth knocked out, his front teeth knocked out. Where is Black Lives Matter? Where is Black in Silence? Because black lives don't matter. To them, All that matters to them is power. All they're after is power. And we must not be seduced by them. But we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed. It's ready to be revealed. In this time, this time of trouble, it's going to be revealed. We're in, in this time, looking at the compass, looking at the clock, we're in this last time. We're in, in this last time, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a season, it's sort of like it's 10 to 12, 10 to midnight, and in that sort of last three and a half years before midnight, it's three and a half years before midnight, we're greatly rejoicing because we understand, though now for a season, 42 months, if need be, you are in heaviness through terrible trials, different trials, every direction we turn. All that desire to live godly in Christ shall suffer persecution. Why? That the trial, the testing of your faith being much more precious than of that of gold than of gold that perishes though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ so this is this is the process that we're going through and and if you read on the rest of this passage you'll see that even the prophets were searching to see like what is this? In, in verse 11, there was searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify. So they understood this was coming when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So they understood that there's this period of suffering followed by glory, that Christ would go through it, but so would his followers. But they just didn't understand when. Here we are having this opportunity to participate in this incredible glory that no one else will ever have. So we must gird up the loins of our mind. And in in Revelation 6, we see when the fifth seal is opened, we see the martyrs. And they say, like, how much longer, Lord? And he says, hold on, here's some robes. There are more saints that must be added to the number of martyrs. 
And, and if we have this view that, and I, know, I hope I don't get beheaded, I hope I don't get martyred, I, I don't want that to, no. I hope that I can prove faithful. I hope that I can just rehearse the immutable promises and, and ground myself in what was given to Abraham that I have inherited. And in Revelation 20 and verse 4, after all of this slaughter that John saw, and he saw the people who went down, and then in Revelation 24, 20 and verse 4, he says he saw thrones, the glorious thrones, the majestic thrones. He saw, that's the first thing that he noticed was the thrones. And then he noticed those that sat upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And, and as he's looking at the faces, he recognizes them. And he says, I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image. Think of that Ezekiel image, Ezekiel 8, where, where all of these house of Israel have gone after the beast. They've gone after the dragon, the house of Israel. And yet there's a remnant that's faithful. And this faithful remnant does not comply. It does not conform. It's like, okay, you've gone too far. What, what you're asking for now is blasphemy. And we're not going to comply. On pain of death. And then John, saws, I, John says, I saw them go down. I saw them slaughtered. And then I saw these majestic thrones. And there were all kinds of people sitting on these thrones. But then I recognized some of them. They were the same people that were beheaded. For the witness of Jesus. And for the word of God. And they are the same ones that had not worshipped the beast. The whole world was going that direction. But they followed their compass. And they went the opposite direction. Neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. And then that's just, that's just the introduction to this eternal glory. And there's just a process of bringing in the fall harvest into the eternal glory. We're going to conclude in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 7, we're warned in verse 15 to beware of false teachers, false prophets. And, and they they're, they're, they're look like sheep and they sound like sheep, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. They're full of that violent, demonic spirit that wants to destroy God's people. And we're going to know them by their fruits. So we have to discern. We have to be able to discern. But in verse 21, he warns us that it's not everyone that says unto him, Lord, Lord. So, so what that says is there's a community of people. And this community, they're all saying, Lord, Lord. And then it's like God is saying to Ezekiel, son of man, come here. And look what they do in the dark. So he says, it's not everybody in this community that says unto me, Lord, Lord, that shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that does the will of my father, which is in heaven. Do we understand his will? Do we understand just how important it is for us to be preaching this gospel faithfully unto the end? Uh, to the house of Israel, specifically to the house of Judah, specifically to Jerusalem, but also to all nations as a witness. This is his will. Are we getting behind this? Or are we getting distracted? Is our compass pointing in every which way? And we're getting caught up in, in personal matters versus the will of the Lord in heaven. He says, many will say unto me that in that day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name and done all these things for you? And he's like, I don't know you. But he goes on to create this analogy of a man, a wise man, which builds his house upon the rock. Look to the rock from which you are hewn. 
And look how that man believed God and followed the word of God and do the same. That when you see the word of God, when you see the commandments of God, you just hold firm. And no matter what the beast power and Satan throws at us in terms of these these storms and these floods and these winds and how they beat upon the house, it's going to stand firm because it's founded upon a rock. But those that um, do not follow the sayings are like building a house on sand. You can't tell. It's like the three little pigs. You know, They build their houses. You can't really tell if there's trouble until the wolf comes to blow the house down. So right now, everybody, it's easy to put on a suit. It's easy to put on a dress. It's easy to put on perfume. And it's easy to say the right things. But will we still be saying those things when the storm comes? It depends on what we're building now. And it depends on the courage that we're building now. You know, Are we drinking from the cup of courage? Are we digging into the word of God? Are we understanding the counsel and the plan of God and how things unfold? So that no matter what, we know his salvation has gone forth. It's already in process. And there's a glory waiting for us. And so no matter what, no matter what the governments of this world want, and I, I wish I had that clip to show you of what's happening here in Ontario, the RFP that's gone out to build internment camps, and a government official looking at this RFP and saying, what is this? What are you guys up to? Well, this is communism. This is communism. This is socialism. The answer is always more government. Whatever, we need justice, we need food, we need always more government. So that the government becomes so powerful and we're so dependent on the government that they have their way with us. And they have their way to stamp out Christ. We can't go along. There's a point of compliance that you've gone too far. So we don't, we don't, we don't want to be in this relationship of, of the state is God. And we depend on the state for everything. No, God is God. And we depend on God for everything. And the state asking us to do these ridiculous things that don't make any sense. And the message is, mask, and you'll receive. And so we get down on our knees and we worship whatever they do, and, and then we receive. Or we're like, no, you do your worst. I'm not budging. My house is built upon the rock. Here, regardless of what we're going through, we're following Matthew 7, verse 7. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks of God, we don't look to the state as God. We don't want government to be our God. We turn to God, Jehovah, the Holy One of Israel. For everyone that asks the Holy One of Israel receives. And this is especially true in the time of persecution. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks, it shall be opened. And then he goes on to explain this. And we need, in the time of persecution, we need to understand this. He says, what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? So, What he's saying here is, however it appears, you know, some of us, we may be beheaded. We may be imprisoned. 
We may be shot point blank. Who knows what the future holds? We just know that God is with us. And if we ask, we will receive. And, and if we being evil, look at our nature, look at our inclination to evil, but we know how to give good things to our children. How much more does God give good things to us? Don't walk by sight. Walk by faith. And there's a point of compliance which is too far. And we need to be watching from now. We can't just be going along with all these global initiatives. We need to be watching and discerning and paying attention. We'll conclude here in the same Matthew 7 and verse 13. You know, the clock is telling us it's time. The seasons are changing. And the compass can only point in one direction. Let's make sure our compass is functioning properly and it's pointing in the wrong direction. And if we're following, if we find that all the, all the world agrees with us, that all the things we say, there's no, there's no pushback on what we teach. There's no pushback on what we're saying. Everybody's congratulating us and saying we love the smooth things that you teach. Woe unto us, because that's how they congratulated the false prophets. But if we're following the will of God, as Satan takes over and, and he's, given his, he's given license to capture the world, then the things that we preach are going to be contentious. We can't back down because the compass only points in one direction. Verse 13, enter you in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Is your compass pointing in the right direction? Because if you're going the way of the world, it's heading to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Many shall betray. The love of many shall wax cold. Many will be false teachers and many will follow them. And many there be which go in thereat. But if our compass is pointing the right way, because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leads unto life, and few there be that find it. The clock is showing us the seasons are changing. The compass only points in one direction, and few there be that find it. Gird up the loins, brethren. Be a part of your congregational community. Edify the brethren. Strengthen yourself in the word of God, and then strengthen the brethren with whatever gift you've been given. Don't lose heart, brethren. Don't rely on the, don't rely on the government. The answer is not more government. We're going to get more government. This is a, a, a global plot that has been, I, I said for a hundred years, but it's been it's from the beginning, from the time of Nimrod. Satan has been working this agenda. And now God is saying, yes, now is the time. The seasons are changing. You can lead up to your three and a half years of glory. But then I'm returning. And I'm returning with healing. I'm returning with salvation. And I'm returning with glory for my faithful servants. Ask and you shall receive. God bless. Thank you, Pastor Adrian, for that very inspiring message. Uh, by all accounts, uh, watching the chat, the various chat rooms that we have on YouTube, on the church website, and Facebook, it was uh, very inspiring for, for so many people. So thank you for that very timely message and for inspiring us to be better and to be faithful and to be constant in God. 
certainly look forward to uh, seeing everyone here again next week as we gather here again at uh, 2.30 on the Sabbath for another message. And don't forget about the Bible study this Wednesday for a local congregation uh, in Burlington, Ottawa. Please watch the uh, Burlington, Ottawa Slack channel for the connection to our after uh, our after sermon Zoom discussion. And following the closing prayer, we will uh, close with one hymn on page 20. Uh, we will sing Standing on the Promises immediately following the closing prayer. So, again, thank you for joining us. Thank you for the uh, the positive feedback, and uh, very happy to see how much this uh, message inspired so many. And let us be about our Father's business. Uh, praise God, and thank you for joining us. We'll now close with prayer, and then the hymn Standing on the Promises. Father in heaven, and you, Jesus Christ, we are just so very humbled and grateful to be called into covenant with you. We ask you to accept us before your throne here together as your body, as our portion of your body. And we just ask you to accept us into your presence, to forgive us and cover our sins with the blood of Jesus Christ so that we may come before you together. And we're just so very grateful and thank you for the inspiring words that we heard today the truth that your scriptures have conveyed to us down through the ages, uh, preserved for us for times like these when the uh, the world that we find ourselves living in is coming apart at the seams. And yet as true and faithful followers, we need not be uh, fearful. We need not be uh, um, uh, cast aside or through every wind of doctrine and all these sorts of things that could affect us. But we through your Holy Spirit that you have given us, can be of sound mind, can be of courage, and have no fear. And great God, as we see the times changing before us, we just ask you to give us hearts of faith, to understand what faith really means, and to stay true to your word. We ask you to give us wisdom as we navigate the changing times of this world, that there is a place for us to um, be uh, adherent to the world's regulations, but there will come a time when it will not be appropriate. And we ask you to help us to be wise as serpents, harmless as doves, and to always be true to your word and to your expectations. And to stay connected so that we may help each other through these. It's, it's so much easier and so much more inspiring knowing that we are in this together and that we are not alone. We ask you to be with your brethren uh, around this world that uh, um, that are part of your body. Thank you for those that have tuned in. We ask you to continue to unify us and connect us and help us keep pointed in the right direction. We thank you for this. We thank you for the work that uh, your servant put into preparing this message for us. We thank you for inspiring him and speaking to us through him. We are very grateful to be part of this covenant and we just ask you to dismiss us from here give us hearts of faith give us the courage to be true to you and we just ask uh, ask you to send your son back to us as soon as as soon as you can we so bad we so want him to come back and uh, but we know that the events that will precede his return will be trial trialsome give us courage to walk through those through those times with faith and obedience 
Thank you again for all that you do for us. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for your sacrifice. We are just so very grateful to be able to keep your Sabbath and to hear your words expounded to us. And we do so through the name of our King, Lord, and Messiah, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.